this episode of the Trophy Dash Podcast, I get the honor to speak to the 2021 Women's Little 500 Champions, Delta Gamma. The first part of the podcast, I'm talking to the writers, Catherine, Kensington, Eleanor, and Tina. The second part of the podcast, I'm talking to Coach Katie Ziegler. It's a great conversation, and we talk about Delta Gamma's commitment to training hard and having fun along the way. Thanks for listening, and thanks again, ladies, for your time. Well, I've got the Delta Gamma cycling team on the podcast today, and I wanted to start out by saying congratulations. Thank Uh, you. (laughs) uh, That was a race that won't ever be forgotten for many reasons, uh, and you deserve to celebrate and be honored for that victory. Yeah, uh, I, I would love to hear, uh, get some introductions and hear, um, hear a little bit about each rider. Maybe if you can tell me your name, your hometown, how many years in school are you and how many little fives have you participated in and so forth. Okay. I'll start. Um, I'm Catherine. I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. This was my third little fives. Um, and this would be my fourth year of riding and I just graduated. So I'm not finished. Mm-hmm. I okay. can go next. My name is Kensington. Um, most people call me Kenzie. I was a senior this year and I joined the bike team my freshman year. Unfortunately, I couldn't race last year because of COVID, but this year was my first race. And where'd you grow up, Kenzie? Uh, I'm from Indianapolis. Okay. I can go next. Um, I'm Eleanor. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I just finished my sophomore year, so I'll be a junior next year. And this was my first year of riding and my first little five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess that leaves me. My name is Tina Levine, and I'm from Manhattan mm-hmm. Beach, California. And I'm same as Eleanor, so I'm a junior. And this was my first year riding and first little five. Oh, my gosh. There's so much there. Yeah. Uh, outside of the writers, like who else is part of this this team that's been around for so long? Uh, like, what other staff, coaches, mentors uh, uh, helped us help this team specifically? You four women. Um. Yeah, I can take this one. <laughs> we have an amazing alumni network <laughs> who come back for the race every year, and I think going back to about like the two thousand eight. Um. <laughs> riders will still come back for the race every year and we really ride for them and that's actually who our coaches are every year so this year our coaches were um Kristen Bignall and Katie Ziegler um, or Ziggs and Chrissy as we call them and Ziggs was able to come back and be in the pit with us and then we also obviously rely on all of our other teammates so we had um, one of our junior riders as the lap counter this year. And then our amazing student coach was Shannon Herman, who is another um, rider who just finished her year as a sophomore this year. And she was also in the pit with us. And then we can't forget our mechanic, who I know, um, Kev DePass. He is amazing and knows his way around the bike. <laughs> For sure. Uh, you mentioned, was that Catherine talking? This was Kenzie. Kenzie, uh, you mentioned you ride for them. You ride for the alumni. Like you ride for those past riders. What does that, what does that mean to you? 
I think, you know, they're there on with us on race day, uh, not this year, unfortunately, but usually, and they've been where they've been in our shoes before and they've put in the work and they know the routes around Bloomington and they've lived in DG and um, just kind of their understanding of us makes the day much more meaningful and whatever we accomplish. So there's a deep connection with those alumni riders. Definitely. It sounds like, uh, are they, are they phone calls, zoom calls in person meetings? Like how does that information, those contact points? Um, with our coaches and just in general, everyone keeps in touch, um, with our alum, more recent alumni that we, we might've been on the team with, they come back and visit a lot and we'll go on rides with us and hang out with us. Um, but on top of that, we just look forward to seeing them every year for sometimes Hilly and also, um, Sorry. Also, <laughs> the race. Sure. Um, so, you know, one thing I learned from coaching the cutters is that every team has their own unique identity, and that identity changes years to years. Uh, so, tell me about this specific team's identity and how that was formed. Yeah, so we are all like a really good group of friends. I would say we try to stay like really tight knit and make sure that we all keep like a positive attitude whenever we're communicating with each other or like writing together because we kind of know that like the better we get along the more excited we'll be to like ride together and the better our friends will become and we try not to take ourselves like too seriously we work hard but we also really try to enjoy the process and just try to enjoy spending time with each other mm-hmm. and we really like Kenzie said we really try to make sure that we're working hard for our coaches and alums. Um, where so, how would you def- how would you describe this group? Uh, fighters, resilient, adaptable. Like, what are some words that come to mind when you describe this twenty twenty one team? I, I can say I something. would definitely say like a dip. <laughs> oh no, you go Kensington. I was just gonna say I think um, based on like seeing other teams and seeing how our team's been in the past. Something that was really um, fun this year is that we just really didn't take ourselves seriously, mm-hmm. but we could still rely on each other to show up. So we worked hard, but then we also had a lot of fun together and got to know each other really well. Yeah. Had you seen other teams, either DG teams or other little five teams, take, take themselves a little too serious and maybe that backfires on them? I wouldn't say necessarily backfires, but I think like one of the things that makes little five fun is when you can have fun and work hard. And I mean, I'm not on other teams, so I can't speak to how the other teams are, but I know that the more fun you're having doing something, the more often you want to do it. So you want to ride your bike more when you're having fun and not taking yourself too seriously. That's for sure. Uh, Who helped, who helped create that mindset for you ladies? Uh, That is something that's passed down year to year or does Ziggs help with that a lot? I'd say it's definitely passed down from year to year, but it's also like pretty collective where all of the girls on the team now and our coaches want us to, you know, work, work hard, but continuing having fun. And um, it definitely like works better in the long run. I think when you can like really enjoy the company that you're with and Mm. you're enjoying the process along the way. Yeah. Well, how does COVID affect having fun and affect that whole process? How did you guys, how did you ladies manage that whole COVID distraction? Yeah, I think it made it a little different this year, but honestly, maybe made us even closer because um, you were in smaller groups all the time. So especially at the mm. beginning of the year, 
when there was a lot of like limits to how many people you could be with. It was nice when like every day you could hang out with a group of girls, go for rides. And like, you knew those were the only people that you were really seeing. So those were just like your friends at the time. And it made us really close. Um, and with managing COVID distractions, I mean, I don't think it really changed the process of our training because there's no COVID when you're out on the, on the road, biking around with the same group of girls mm -hmm. um, every day. So I don't think it really was too hard with COVID distractions um, in terms of like biking. It was a little weird in the spring when we were on our, on the, at the track and like wearing masks and whatnot, but I don't think it really like affected our training. Yeah. One thing to note is that in the fall, um, the DG house actually went under quarantine, though. So it was just Catherine and I who didn't live. This is Kenzie speaking that didn't live in DG. So we were going on rides just us for about six weeks. And kind of that whole time we were nervous about the future of the race, but also about our team since we weren't really there to teach them um, since they were all sophomores and all lived in like how to go about training <laughs> yeah were they the people uh, the writers in quarantine it was really tough oh. oh you go right ahead oh i was gonna say me and tina um along with our like other teammates we lived in the house and it was really difficult because we weren't able to like leave the house or leave the parking lot so we really had to rely on rolling or just doing like different workouts all on our own because we like couldn't go anywhere. So. And you were a first year writer doing this. Yes. Me yeah. and Tina were. Yeah. That's gotta be so challenging because you learn so much from your peers as being on the road together and you being stuck in the house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we really had to like hit the ground running whenever we got out of quarantine. I, I noticed in team pursuit Delta Gamma had four teams in team pursuit. <laughs> How big is this team this year? How many women are on the Delta Gamma cycling team? So I think that we had 15 girls in total. So we oh had gosh. four teams and I think we did uh, one team of three. Um, but yeah, most of it is made up of um, freshmen that got in the house in early February. So they were all new to little five, but I think it was a really great opportunity for them to get involved um in the sorority in a different way this year because there weren't as many like activities going on because of covid mm -hmm. so i think so many of them wanted to join the team and we had um so shannon kind of like led the recruiting of all these rookies and i think she just talked about how much she enjoyed the team and ways to get involved and they all jumped on board mm -hmm. that's amazing and it's going to bode well for the future of dg i'm sure oh definitely for sure that'll be fun in the future <laughs> Uh, so this is the fourth victory for the Delta Gamma house. Am I right? Am I correct about that? Yes. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what did this team have to do differently than past teams? Uh, it sounds like there's quite a bit with uh, getting some new riders, COVID, quarantine, yes. rolling. Like, uh, that's a lot to manage. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say – our past couple of years of teams have really taught us well on how to prepare for the little five and how to train. And I think this year we were just, after having lost the race last year, we were terrified of what was going to happen on race day. And we wanted to over-prepare rather than under-prepare for anything. Mm. So 
we used what we've been taught in the past and our alumni and basically studied and worked really hard in order to be prepared for race day. How'd you study? You mean like watch video? Yeah, I'd say, I mean, we've come in second a lot and we were due for a win. So Mm -hmm. we watched a lot of race tape. We would all take notes as a team. And um, because of COVID, our coaches couldn't be in Bloomington or around as much as um, they usually would. So we really had to self-govern ourselves and teach ourselves. And I think that that actually helped us out a lot on race day because we were just as prepared as our coaches and knew what the game plan was. Um, Not only the captains, but also all of our rookies. We really taught well and did a lot of preparation. Catherine, you had to be driving most of that since you're the only one that had raced before. Yeah, I think it helped um, just because like in past years, we really studied race tape a lot when um, with like the race day teams, but because Tina, Eleanor and Kenzie weren't on the race day teams, then they didn't know quite as much, um, Mm -hmm. but they were definitely quick learners. So they honestly know, if not more than me now, Um, but it was, it was fun to teach everybody about the strategy of race tape. And we, we really studied race tape, like it was our Bible. So Mm -hmm. we we watched it all the time, but it was Mm -hmm. a lot of fun. Uh, So you make it through the spring, uh, you know, there was all these series events, right? Team pursuit, missing out. Um, what else? I don't know if quals. ITTs. IT, ITTs, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does Delta Gamma fare and, you know, the, the series events leading up to the race? I can take this question. <laughs> um, I would say we knew coming out of spring series that we could be a dark horse in the race based on how the events had gone for us. Um, Speaking personally, I felt burned in just about every event, unfortunately. Um, I made it to the finals in Missing Out, actually, and they didn't put me in them. But you can see in the live stream that they say I advance, (laughs) and you can see me advance. But... Uh, I didn't push it. Maybe I should have, but that helped me out at least. And then they didn't start the clock for my ITT. And Mm. it was just one disaster after the next. But Team Pursuit, we also had the weather working against us a bit. And Catherine was positioned um, a little funky on missing out. So we knew that we could kind of use that to our advantage and Mm -hmm. hopefully be a dark horse on race day. And I think that we accomplished that. Was there a sense of letdown at all? Or did you... Did you just trust the process even more? We definitely trusted the process. And we were understanding of all of those little bumps in the road because there had been a year without a race. And, like, those little things are going to happen. We were never mad at anyone or or sad about our accomplishments. We knew that we would show all of our hard work on race day. Mm-hmm. Leading up to the race, uh, are you ladies – looking at the competition and identifying other teams or you just have a plan to do your own thing and, and uh, kind of stay within your own strengths? Yeah, I think we definitely evaluated our competition. Um, it was different th- this year than most where at the track, you can only have a limited amount of people at one time. So not all the teams were there at one time. So it was a little bit more difficult to assess our competition other than just the spring series results. Um, but I think it was, Um, pretty clear which teams were competitive Um, but going into the race we kind of had our own race strategy just based off what we had gained from the knowledge of watching other race tapes Um, and funny enough our our strategy was not to lap the field but (laughs) it worked out well Um, but yeah so 
coming into the race, we definitely had a different strategy um, that, you know, played off of our competition. Um, but yeah. Well, what was that strategy going into the race? Yeah. So our strategy was to try and break away around like 82 to 87, um, which I think because we had planned to do a breakaway regardless, um, we were prepared for when we did decide in the middle of the race to go for lapping the field. We already like IT team and basically like going off alone to try and get as big of a gap as possible. Um, but our plan, if we did it at 85 was not to lap the field. It was simply mm -hmm. just to get a gap and hold it to the end. Mm -hmm. So then when we tr attempted to lap the field at what lap 22, we realized that we couldn't just get a gap. We had to fully lap the field or it was going to be a bit of a wasted effort. Well, let, let's get into that. Let's break that down. So who starts the race for the DGs? Um, this is Kenzie. I was, or I can go through kind of the plan of starting the race and what yeah, that initial plan was. So our team had met with some of the other competitive teams before the race and kind of said, um, Theta is really good this year. We want to put them down when they go to do exchanges and when they go to burn. So my plan starting the race was I'm going to tell basically the entire pack um, whenever Theta goes to burn, like I'm going to yell at everyone to speed up. And so those other competitive teams knew that as a, a group, we were going to bring the whole pack with us and chase Theta's burns and kind of not slow up until they caught back on following the exchange. So that was kind of our defensive plan as far as Theta um, most likely going for a breakaway and how we could combat that starting from the beginning and tire them out. Um, but I also knew that AZD, or we also knew, I should say, um, it's not just me, but um, we knew that AZD was going to burn before Theta, and my plan was to stay in and burn with Theta. So when I heard that AZD was going to burn, we knew that um, Theta was probably going to follow that burn, and then I would in turn bring the whole pack with me and establish that we communicate when Theta's burning and we make sure they stay down until mm. they have to work to catch. So I knew AZD had told us when they were going to burn. So I kind of knew when to look for it, but nobody came with me. And in the race tape, you can actually see our team yelling at everyone, Theta's burning, come with me. <laughs> so we mm. told them to come, but they didn't listen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that worked to our advantage. <laughs> so Kenzie, you were on the bike all the way up until lap 22? I think so. I I burned, and then I was going to wait until the pack kind of slowed up after the hubbub of everyone exchanging. But my coach, Ziggs, she's or our coach, I don't know why I keep saying me, our coach told um, me to just keep staying in for a couple of laps. So I would have, yeah, I just did a kind of a burn plus three or so. And how big of a gap did you get when you did come out? Um, I think it was pretty significant. I, we have it written down somewhere, but I burned pretty slow on the middle lap because we weren't sure if we were going to go. I remember thinking, wow, like I really have a gap on the, this um, pack. I wonder what's happening. So I slowed up for my middle lap, but then it took us a while to decide. <laughs> it took us a couple of sets to decide if we were really going to go for it. Yeah. When Kenzie came out, I think she had like about a 17 second gap that could be a little bit larger, but it was around there. Um, and the plan was not for me to go on the bike. This is Catherine speaking. Um, not for me to go on the bike next. It was supposed to be either <laughs> Tina or Eleanor. 
Mm-hmm. But um, once she had that large of a gap, even after her first lap of her burn plus one, um, mm-hmm. Ziggs just looked at me and said, okay, you're going on the bike. We're going to try and make this happen now. And we just went for it then. <laughs> and I did a couple laps and then threw it to Tina who went in there and really closed the gap a lot more. And then Eleanor as well. And we just kept going for it. Yeah. I, I apologize for not knowing those details. The race footage wasn't very good <laughs> right? in yeah. yeah. capturing like the initial gap and then the relative position to the pack. And um, so but I didn't do think we're off the back for a while there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that That's something they'll just have to get better at. So you go through a whole rotation. It sounds like, and the, you still have a significant lead. Um, then, then you're committing to the, to the, to the try to take the lap or. So I think we committed to it when Tina went on the bike. So when okay. I went on the bike, I did like seven to nine laps. And for the mm-hmm. first four laps, I was kind of like ITTing it. And then Ziggs had told me to slow down. She made like a motion, like slow down. And I thought she meant like slow down and go back into the pack. And then when I came mm-hmm. back around, she wrote on the board like tempo. So I tempoed after going slow for one lap um, for like maybe two or two or three more laps. And then Tina went on the bike, had like an incredible three laps, really gained, um, like really increased the gap on the field. And then Eleanor went in and continued the same thing. And at that point, we had decided to commit to it because we kept increasing our gap. Mm-hmm. What's the reaction from your competitors from the pits? Like, can you <laughs> see? It, it's, a, it's a strange situation on race day because there's no fans. So you can hear everything for the first time. Yeah, it was um, a lot of people in the beginning, at least. I don't know about when I was off the front, but as you can hear teams start to realize that DG is off the front and kind of yelling at the pack to speed up. And it was a nice feeling to sit in the pit and watch. It was like things are, people are not working together. Mm -hmm. And that kind of had to do, I think, also with the field being smaller. But people the pack was like not realizing for a while and we just kept ITTing out there. So it was kind of a nice feeling in the moment, but you're also kind of wondering, this isn't our plan. What's happening. What are we doing? Are we burning ourselves out for the rest of the race? Um, so there was a lot going on in the moment. Yeah. There's a moment on the, on the video on the live stream where it looks like it's really fragile. Like, like you may, you stop gaining ground. You might've lost a little bit for a while. Uh, and uh, so it was, is that the case? What did that happen? I don't think we ever lost really any significant ground. Um, when we've gone back and watched the tape, it says like you're back down to a half lap, but I don't think we ever actually got back down to that. So okay. Kev and our student coach Shannon were timing the difference between us and the chase pack the whole time, which I think was like really the big difference and encouraging us to keep going for it because Ziggs would write on the board, like, oh, you have 27 Mm. seconds up, 29 seconds up. And then once, Mm. like, you could see the rest of the field within a straightaway Mm -hmm. is when, like, you really feel like you can lap the pack. And I think I was the one in at that point. And I was definitely hurting. But when I saw them just a straightaway away, I was like, okay, I'm just going to stay in and try and complete the lap because going out and doing an exchange, we would have probably lost more ground than me catching onto the back and then resting a little, regaining some strength and then coming out for an exchange. Yeah. All right, my memory comes back now. So you, I remember you lapped the field and then another team attacks you to try to get their lap back. And on the video, it looks like they're gaining on you. And, but maybe that didn't happen in real life. 
I think that they were probably gaining some, but it was never anything that we thought we were going to lose the whole lap as long as we continue to just be aggressive with it. Um, There was definitely, I think, a point, I don't know about what lap, maybe in the 60s or something, I don't remember exactly, um, where I was like, oh my gosh, are we just going to ITT the rest of this time? Because this was when the the rest of the field was attacking. Um, but then we eventually closed it back down again. And once we're on the back of it, every single time they attacked, Kenzie was on the bike and would just chase each burn so that they couldn't get away. I can speak about people. uh, So AZD and Zana had some pretty, really good sprinters. And so they were working together to try and unlap themselves. I think when Theta went in for an exchange or something, and that's when I got on the bike. And so Theta and I were like, okay, we're catching. And so that was the start of my third set. And that's when Theta and I caught back to them. Yeah. And or we caught back with Theta. Or Theta and us caught AZD yeah. and Zana. That that was that was brilliant uh, tactically. Cause they cause you, you help because Theta helped you stay in the lead that time at that time. Exactly. And they yeah. didn't want to be down a lap. Um in comparison to ACD and Zana, who are trying mm-hmm. to unlap themselves and get back mm-hmm. with us. They're still so they fighting for a second. Exactly. Um, and that was kind of a nice feeling to be in, knowing that, you know, you're with someone who's a lap down trying to get back to together. But I think something that helped us a lot in the race was that we had really long sets, all of us, for the most or Catherine and I, at least. And then Tina and Eleanor were really there to help catch when they needed to. So their ITTs came in handy. <laughs> How did you train for that? How, what kind of workouts and training were you doing? Yeah, so I think when we look back on the training this past spring, we didn't really like necessarily realize it, but we almost were training to lap the field. Um, mm. We would do a lot of like really long 20 lap, like mm. we would do like four by 20 lap sets at like a pretty significant pace, which is what came in handy for both Kenzie and I because we were in there for like 20 laps at which helped us because we didn't need to exchange and therefore lose ground when the other teams were exchanging. So we did a lot of like, I would say of those types of workouts. Um, And then we would do like six to eight lap sets. A lot of the times also like trying to make it like more ITT pace, Mm -hmm. um, which then I think helped Eleanor and Tina a lot with um, having them go those important sets also. Yeah. And during the race, um, some other teams were saying, okay, when DG comes out, you attack. Or when DG comes out, you come out trying to line up their exchanges and whatnot. And then we just wouldn't come out. So I think that kind of messed oh. up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, was there pressure on this day? With even, even though there were no fans there, no alumni, did you feel pressure the morning of and during, during the event? Definitely pressure to win. Um, we were long due for a win, but I think we were so well prepared this year. Um, maybe Tina and Eleanor can speak on how they felt. Mm. I were like so confident in how we prepared for every single scenario that I we weren't ner- we weren't quite as nervous. Yeah, with mm. Kenzie and I being roommates, like most of the time we just back and forth talk about scenarios that could happen at like any moment during the day when we think of them. So we felt very prepared for a lot of scenarios, which I think being over-prepared helps with like not being nervous. Um, At least that's how I feel a lot of the times. Yeah. Tina, do you want to talk about how you felt? I think Tina had to go. Uh, Tell me about um, 
who was on the bike at the end? Um, I was Catherine. Okay, Catherine. So what what was that like? A lap ahead, uh, finishing out your little five career, and being on the bike. Yeah, it felt awesome. Um, we didn't know, like, based on our original strategy, it was either going to be Kenzie or I on the bike at the end. Um, so I didn't know if I was going to be on the, the bike on the last lap. So it was really exciting to be there and finish my career in that way. Um, and I had I was on it for, like, the last 20 laps. So I kind of had 20 laps to think about it. Um, mm-hmm. So it was a pretty surreal experience. But definitely, I think, the best way I could have gone out with my little five career, honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> And you get back to your pit and your teammates are there uh, and there's just so much joy and excitement. Definitely. I mean, I honestly don't even think we realized that there weren't fans there because we were just so excited jumping around all on our own that it felt just the same. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you do the, you, you finish up at the track and you leave the track. What's waiting for you outside the track? How does that play out? So we actually, um, all of our parents had a tailgate for us at, our Kenzie and I's um, house so we came back to our house and there was like 70 people here maybe even more (laughs) and we we did our victory lap actually around the block because we couldn't do it at the track with all of our fans they rushed the street yeah it was it was really fun like no cars to get on the street we just we still had the we are the champions song playing it was super fun that's great uh at the time we're, we're we are recording this right now it's three weeks after little five uh, have you had any post-race letdown or any, you know, once you, once you achieve a big goal you've been striving for, sometimes there's a void after that. How, how, how's this team doing? Mm, I'd say the younger, um, riders are just excited for next year and ready to hit the ground running. And, um, all of our freshman rookies, I know are really excited to just get mm-hmm. out and learn the routes on the, learn the Bloomington roads and get started for next year. Mm-hmm. Catherine, what about, what do you feel? I would say it's definitely um, weird that we had graduation first and then Little Five because Mm. it kind of, like Little Five was the wrap up to my college career. Um, But I wouldn't say necessarily a void. It was, I mean, a really exciting way to end college. And I think there was a lot of celebrations post Little Five for like a good week. So maybe like after that week died down and it was just all of a sudden I could actually like sit and like really take it all in. It felt weird to be done with it, but um, then we just got back on our bikes and keep riding. Yeah. Uh, Kenzie and Catherine, tell me about how little five, this experience has uh, added to your college career and how it's changed you. Uh, I think, I think it was CVK that said in your podcast that you remember the things you work hard for. And I think that's very true of little five and it's given such a purpose to college and, you know, IU is like such a party school, but it's like given a reason for us to celebrate. Um, so you can kind of find a good balance of working hard and biking, obviously studying, and then having a purpose and a reason to have fun and be a college student and not feel like you're wasting away. <laughs> Definitely. And I would say like I've met some of my best friends and little five. Um, I mean, even being the oldest on the team right now, I'm friends with freshmen and sophomores that I wouldn't have probably even met, even though they are my sorority, just because of the big age gap. Um, and they've become some of my best friends. And not only that, but like our alumni, like I would consider them my friends too, even though we haven't ever raced with them, obviously, or even been on the team at the same time as most of them. Um, and then within the greater Little Five commu- community, like you just meet so many people and 
have a whole different group of friends that you wouldn't have been able to have if you weren't a part of this like bigger community. Yeah. And it's exciting to know you have something to come back to and um, all of these people that'll be in your life, be in like your weddings, probably. I mean, Catherine and I live together because of the bike team. So it's a wonderful tradition and uh, we definitely need to all work hard to keep it around. Absolutely. Yeah. What What's next for you two graduating seniors? Um, I am going to grad school here next year and I'm actually on writer's council. So I, as you just said, will be working to make sure that there's a full field next year. <laughs> okay. And I am um, moving to Chicago in September and I'm starting at a consulting firm. Okay. So Eleanor and Tina, what's next for Delta Gamma Cycling? What's next for you two are seniors next year? Oh, well, actually, um, be we're going to be, sorry, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, thank you. You're going to be juniors. Um, I definitely think there's so much potential for us with how many rookies we have now. And coming from the win, they're so excited to get back to Bloomington and to get working as well. And we're so excited to keep our traditions going and keep the fun that we have inside and out of biking and let that translate to like our friendships and how we just view life overall and keep our work ethic up. We're definitely Mm -hmm. super excited that like Kensington will be in Bloomington so she can like still be there to like mentor us Mm -hmm. and like help keep the team energy and like identity alive. Right. And you, and next year's team is going to be different than this year's team. It'll be a whole new identity. Yeah. We're super excited though, with how many girls that we have um, that are just so excited to ride and be in Bloomington. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank you for, uh, you know, pursuing the excellence in little five, doing all the hard work, keeping it fun. Cause I think that's really important and it's helped keeping this race going. So thank you for that. And thanks for being great champions. Thanks. Thanks for having us, Jim. We'll see you at the track next year. I sure hope so. Thanks again for all your time. And best of luck over the summer for everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, ladies, for sharing those stories with me. Next up, we're going to hear from Coach Katie Ziegler. Hello, Katie. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. Yeah. Hey, Jim. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I want to start by saying congratulations. Thank on, you. Uh, working with the DG women and winning the 2021 Little 500. It was pretty amazing, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. So special. <laughs> in, 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 a whole, in a chaotic year, that was definitely a special race. For sure. Uh, tell me about yourself, like who you are, how you got involved in all this. Yeah. Um, so I went to IU from 2012 through 2016. Um, I rode little five, 2014, 2015, and 2016. Um, and so I got involved actually my freshman year. I didn't even know what little five was. I'm not from the state of Indiana. I'm actually from Philadelphia. So quite far from Indiana. Um, and I went to little five. I hadn't, I didn't know anything about it. And I mean, my jaw dropped. I, called my dad right after. And I said, Hey, I'm going to be a part of this thing. I need to buy a bike. I hadn't even, I've never ridden a road bike before. And so got a bike in, in June when I got home and basically started, started riding. And of course in 2013 Delta Gamma won. 
Yeah. And <clears throat> in 2014, we were a team of all rookies wearing the yellow jersey. So I was a part of that of, of that group. Oh. Were you uh, in sorority in 2013 already? Yes. Yep. Okay. And did you know about the bike team or was it this chaos? Nope. Was it this static in the background? It was truly static in the background. I was just a freshman. So yeah, I didn't even, I had no idea what it was. And, mm. and like I said, I, I went to the race and that's when I just fell in love with the sport. What about that race made you fall in love with it? So I've always been an athlete. Um, I played high school sports. Um, I was, I actually played softball. Um, I was a softball pitcher and I missed the team camaraderie as well as the competition. Um, and what a cool event. I mean, it's only at IU, right? And so mm. I think just the the idea of doing something new and something that looked so cool, and you could just tell that, uh, especially our team that year, was such good friends. And I thought, hey, this could be a really cool opportunity for me to scratch that itch of athletics as well as, you know, make some great friends. Mm-hmm. And what was that transition like for me from softball pitcher to endurance cyclist? Yeah, very different. Um, I mean, my first race, I remember thinking, oh, you know, we've trained so hard for this. I'm so ready and I'm so prepared. And, you know, you get in the race and you have all of these amazing athletes and you're like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm really unprepared. I actually need to do quite a bit more work. So I would say my transition was was a little rough um, my sophomore year, but by junior and senior year, I mean, we had it rolling and, and we knew what it took to be a really excellent team. Mm-hmm. And who were some of your teammates uh, around those times? Yeah. So I rode with Kristen Bignall, uh, Sarah Rivich, Madison Borgman, um, mm-hmm. my junior and senior year. So the, those are great DG teams, despite them not winning the race. They, may, they, yeah. impa- they impacted the race. Your team did. Uh, you were contenders. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like you learned a lot about the events while going through it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and we have such a great alumni network that, I mean, the things that I know, you know, come from years of experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you become the track coach for the, the bike team? Yeah. So, you know, DG has always had a tradition of, you know, having old DG riders be coaches and and we transition in and out every couple of years. And I had ridden my senior year. And after about two years, the the coaches, Emily Lobig and Kelsey Phillips approached me and asked if I wanted to be next. Um, I think something that I bring is a very calm presence in the pit. Uh, and that's something that they were looking for. So it really is just, a you know, once the new generation of riders comes in, we want to keep it fresh and we want to keep the keep the engagement of our alumni network. And the best way we we know to do that is to continue to, you know, expand our, our coaches. So that's kind of how I became the coach. And obviously being coach is a little bit different than being being a rider. Uh, but it, it really does come with the same education, which is just watching race tape, learning mm-hmm. from each other and, and talking to people for, in the Little Five community. What did you have to learn as a coach as opposed to a writer? Like what skill sets did you have to build on yourself? Yeah, so I think being a coach, one, you need to you need to be calm on the outside, even though you might be turning <laughs> on the inside, right? Um, and you have to know everything that's happening. So what I realized as a writer is my job was to ride my set and ride it well. As a coach, mm-hmm. it's I need to make sure I have my eyes on my team, but I need to know everything else that's happening as well. And I need to make sure that, you know, I need, I know where my rider is as well as what's happening in the field, what's happening um, in my pit, how my other riders are feeling. So it's really, 
a lot harder, I would say, to be uh, the coach, um, just from a, obviously not a physical standpoint, I'm in no, nowhere near the same shape that my girls are in, but just from a mental standpoint of making sure that you're completely on it and completely knowing what's happening and who's where. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned you watch, uh, you watch race tape. You oh stay yeah. Connect, you stay connected to alumni. Like who, who else helped you learn to be a, a, a coach? Like what, uh, maybe outside little five or in life. Yeah. So I've actually always coached. Um, Mm. I've always had a passion for mentorship and coaching. So even as early as high school, I was coaching youth sports. Um, And, you know, now in my job, I I mentor a lot of our new hires. Um, And I think just learning how to talk to people, how to motivate is something that at least I learned it. It's not really built in me. Um, And I learned it through just those experiences coaching from a young age. Uh How did the COVID and all that change your relationship with the team or the way you have to uh, connect or motivate or coach? Yeah, COVID definitely made it harder because I don't live in Bloomington. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, So to not be able to go up for Hilly 100 or go up for fall series, spring series was really challenging. Um, But luckily I have the best captains and, and they really took charge and they, you know, they planned dinners with the team and they planned a lot of stuff outside of just riding bikes. And so while COVID probably took away from my ability to be there, uh, it certainly made, it didn't affect my team. I think that they were as strong as ever. Um, and I'm really proud of them for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned they planned dinners and things off outside of the bikes. Like, uh, is that something you place value on, like off the bike time? 1000%. Mm. Um, I think anybody, a part of Delta Gamma alumni would say the same thing. Like we are best friends and we love hanging out with each other. I mean, I'm going to a bachelorette party next weekend with my bike team. So like we truly are best friends as it, while it is about little five, it's really beyond that. And, you know, I'm so proud that that tradition continues, um, to persist because that is something that differentiates Delta Gamma from other teams. It's not, even though winning is fun, winning's not not everything. Right. I mean, how many people can say that they're best friends with people that didn't even go to college with them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a, as a coach of the cutters, I, I know every year the team has a different identity and I, Mm -hmm. I talked to the writers about, and, and they were pretty modest. They just said they're hard workers pretty much. Like, how would you describe this team's identity? That's a really good question. Um, This team's identity, I mean, they are, they are awesome, Jim. So our teams, you know, we've always said like, oh, we want to win. We want to win. These girls, I'm not kidding, had like a thousand Excel spreadsheets of all the different things that could happen (laughs) in the race. Like they Mm. were so on it. They loved watching race tape. I think they're I mean, of course they're modest, but they were so prepared for this race. I, I, I mean, yeah. I'm just so, I'm so proud of, of the work they put in off the bike because that's, that's really important when it comes to little five, especially a little five like this one. Yeah. Catherine, I know as a senior, she was a big part of that. Oh yeah. She was, she was the Excel queen. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and she had, uh, we had two, two rookies in the race, I think. Two rookies. Yeah. And so getting those women up to speed uh, with, with limited track time and no, mm-hmm. no fall events be critical. 
Oh, absolutely. And it's hard to, so we didn't have a race obviously in 2020. And a lot of times, you know, these college kids, uh, the girls will see the alumni network that, that little five brings in and they see our relationships with the writers and they see our DG alumni network. And these girls didn't have that. Like they, Mm-hmm. They put in so much time and so much work without really understanding what Little Five was. And for that, I'm, you know, so thankful and so proud of them. Um, and hopefully, you know, next year we'll have a normal race and we'll really see, you know, what it's like with thousands of fans. Yeah. Um, they, uh, some of the riders even mentioned quarantine. So they had to do a lot of oh, indoor, yeah. indoor riding. <laughs> oh, Yeah. yeah. Our awesome. training schedule was was wacky, but you know worked out. Uh, they said they told me they were basically training to lap the field, long sets, a lot of time mm-hmm. on the trainer. Like who who came up with that idea or that training plan for them? Yeah, so we've always trained really hard. Um, it's something that DG always always has done. I think um, when you train to lap the field, it, it only makes you train a little bit harder. I would say. Uh, we knew we didn't have a sprinter, and so we needed to make sure we had a foundation of really strong riders. Um, so, yeah, and these girls, I mean, these girls, they they say they train to lap the field, but they love doing these long rides. You know, they mm-hmm. we, we set this training plan. They're like, hey, can we go longer? Can we do longer rides? And I'm like, heck, yeah, of course you guys can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... The, they we mentioned when I talked to them earlier. They talked about the spring didn't go so great. You know, ITTs missing out, team pursuit. It didn't really show their strengths, and they were kind of okay with that. I think knew, it worked to our benefit. Yeah, yeah. They knew in the background they'd done the work, right? And that they were going to show up the race day ready. Uh, did you have to talk them through that, or build their confidence up, or keep them engaged with some of the inconsistent spring events? Yeah, so a little bit, I think. Kensington in particular, uh, we call her Kenzie. She just had a lot of bad luck. Um, like I think one of her chips was switched with missing out, like some crazy stuff happened. And it's like, this is such an advantage for us because nobody knows how strong you are. You have never ridden in a race before. And I mean, think about the work that she did in that race. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. know if she had an amazing spring series, if she would have been able to get away with that. Yeah. And that's what I told her. I was like, listen, this is a huge advantage for us. Right. And so going into race, uh, the team told me they were planning on tacking later in the race, like, I don't know, much later, eight, yeah. eight, 80 or so, 75 mm-hmm. to 80. Uh, and as it turns out, you know, it, opportunity, op, <laughs> opportunity presents itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk me through that moment where you, you have a lead and you're like trying to decide what to do. Yeah. So I'll, let me, let me start with the foundation of the race. So here's yeah. what, here was our, here's what was our plan. So we knew that we wanted to break away Be, at probably seventy five eighty. We knew we didn't have a sprinter and we would not win a sprint. So sprint finish was not something we were looking for. We knew that Theta had four extremely strong riders. So the one thing that we could not let happen was on the field. And so our plan from lap one was chase any of Theta's burns. And so that's what we did. Lap 17 comes around. We chase Theta's burn. Nobody chases with us. Mm. And all of a sudden we're, you know, a straightaway ahead. And I turned to Catherine who's on the bike. So originally our plan was to go 
Kensington, who was our starter, and then do a rookie. And I turned to Catherine and I was like, I think this is our opportunity to see what will happen. If we put you in for three laps, three hard laps, it's not going to tire you out, but it could create a huge gap on the field. Let's see what mm-hmm. happens. And so fortunately I had Kevin DePass in the, as our mechanic. So it was really nice to have him and, and talk ideas off of him. And without fans and all the chaos, it, it actually made for a very strategic race because you could truly have full conversations yeah. without, you know, all of these distractions. And so, I mean, that's how, like we went for it. We changed our strategy quite literally at lap 17. Mm. And so the plan was basically, hey, we'll put Catherine in for three laps. We'll put our two rookies in and let's see where we stand at that point. Because if we don't have a big enough gap, then we'll just go float back into the pack. All we really did was burn a little bit of energy. Yep. And no. at that point, I mean, we had almost a half lap on the field and, and Kensington and K-Free are absolutely stellar. And those two close the gap. Now... 99% of the time, something like this doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And, and every alumni that would have been there might have said, it's too soon. Would have said, yes. It's too <laughs> soon. It's too soon. And I think I might have heard you say that having no alumni there with that kind of planting that seed in your head or influencing uh, really helped, help you be comfortable in this decision, help the team be comfortable in it. And you just committed to it. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the pack never chased. It took, it took the pack a while to realize what was happening, and then nobody was chasing. How is it possible it took the pack a while? They're, they're, like everyone can see, and there's fewer teams, and you're, you're just out there. Well, I think it's, it's the same as, as every time there's a team ahead. It, it, takes the first, it takes someone to start the pull. It takes someone yeah. to take, that, take mm-hmm. that lead, and nobody wants to pull because everybody knew with yeah. less teams, it's a lot more work. You know, when you, when you start that poll, there's no, um, like, you don't know if someone else is going to trade polls with you. You don't know if you're going to have to be the only one to close that, close that gap. So sure. I get it. I get it. But like, I mean, somebody had to step up in that moment and nobody did. And, and our team was able to take advantage of that. Mm. How many laps were you off the front? How many, how many uh, laps, how long did it take you to lap field? I think it was about 35, maybe 35, 40. So by lap 45, it was like 50. Okay. Just over a halfway point or so. Right. Which is still scary, right? There's still a lot of race left at that point. And there were a few moments like the teams tried to attack and get their Mm -hmm. lap back. Yep. it It wasn't smooth sailing. Nope. It was not. But it wasn't, it wasn't not smooth sailing. I feel like, Mm. I feel like we really, there was one point in the race where uh, Theta had a little bit of a gap on us. Um, But I do feel like we had a pretty strong, I mean, a pretty, our two uh, captains are really strong. And I mean, they, they just absolutely crushed it. They didn't let anybody do anything, get away with anything. I'm just so proud of them and, (laughs) you know, their leadership and, and their drive to win this race. Yeah. It, you know, I had to watch it on the internet and it wasn't the best feed. So I didn't get a, I, you couldn't get a good sense of like how the whole race was playing out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then it comes down to the end. Who's on the bike at the end? K-Free. K-Free. Yeah. yeah she so should, I, she should be. 
<laughs> yeah, I told her at lap. So she went on around lap 87. And I told her, I was like, hey, look, Kensington is able to finish the race. If you can't finish the race, she turned to me and said, I'm going to finish the race. <laughs> <laughs> it was hers. Yep, yeah. it was hers. And uh, so this is your fir- first time in the pit. With, Second with time. D- no, as a DG team winning. Oh, yes. Yep. Right. What a special thing when your rider, because you really, you go oh, in every yeah. race, you go in every race thinking, planning to win. Right. And, and but here it is, it manifests for you. Yeah, it great- was, it was a great feeling. And I mean, DG has come in second or third the last five years. So not mm-hmm. only was this a win for, for these girls, but it feels like redemption for all of those, those women that came in second or third. Yeah. What was the feeling after the victory? Like, like all the contact points from past alumni. So I'll tell you, I checked my phone after the race and I had 308 (laughs) messages, 308. Oh my my gosh. So if that tells you anything, it was, it was a lot of excitement, um, a lot of pride. I think everyone that is a part of DGBT is proud to be a part of DGBT. And, you know, it just feels it feels amazing when you have that alumni network that supports you. The girls were saying that, you know, tons of, tons of the alumni wrote them letters and cards and stuff. And it's just, we just have such a special team and I'm so thankful for that. Mm-hmm. It shows. Yeah. Uh, what is, what has little five done for, for you as a, as a young woman and like your graduating writers. Yeah, well, little five. I mean, little five has and did completely shape my college career. I think it, it has taught me what hard work is. Um, I don't. I don't think a lot of uh, people understand the commitment that little five takes. Um, and so, I would say little five has truly shaped, you know, the employee that I am today. I I, I know how to work with people. I know how to work hard. Um, and it's brought me my best friends. Like I have this group of women that will be my best friends for life. And, and it's just such a special thing when you go through that with other people, like when you are training six days a week, spending hours with these, with these girls and like, it just, it's so special. And, and little five, like, it's hard to describe to other people because nobody gets it unless you're a part of the little five community. Yeah, it is very special. And, you know, my own experience going through it's the same thing, especially the friends. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone I interview on this podcast, it's the same thing. <laughs> right. It's it's the friendships. It's the moments outside of the race. It's the per- preparing right. for the race. It's the hard training sessions. It's the ups and downs, the connections. Yep, absolutely. Um, and do you, do you foster that? Do you create you create moments where that happens or is that just a natural thing for the Delta Gamma bike team? I think it's natural. I mean, we certainly create moments in, in you know, weddings and, and like we'll mm-hmm. go do trips together and stuff like that. But I don't think that is, you know, it's not like, that's not how we define ourselves. I think we just all get along so well that it just happens, you know, yeah. going to target can become one of those marks. <laughs> I agree. Right. And it's just, it's, it's wanting to spend time with your tribe. Right. right. Exactly. And, and there's gotta be a lot of joy 
Yeah. Well, what's the future of Delta Gamma bike team? How's it looking? Well, well I'm thinking another victory in 2022 for sure. <laughs> um, you know, so here's the thing. When you win the race, there's so much more interest, right? All the girls in DG are like, oh my gosh, we won this race. How cool. So we have a lot of rookies that are, that are really interested and a lot that have reached out and asked for a summer training plan. So that makes me excited. I, I think the future of DG cycling, you'll probably be seeing, you know, a little bit more of some of our, our current riders potentially. Um, but I have no, I have no doubt that we will be a strong team again in 2022 and, and, and beyond. Mm-hmm. I don't have any doubt either. Um, <laughs> what's like, what's the uh, rivalry like for, for the different top teams? Cause there's, you know, there's a handful of teams every year mm-hmm. that show up to race. That, that's gotta be fun to have that. Definitely. Definitely. Um, it is fun. I mean, it is fun. It's what makes it a competition and, and that's what differentiates sports from book clubs. Um, mm. It, I would say, obviously there are teams that have been really good for a long time and that's what makes this race fun. You know, you yeah. are, you're really, yes. you know, you know, the other teams, you know, their strengths, you know, their weaknesses, you know, how they're coached. And, and I think that makes for a more exciting race. It brings the whole race up. Sure does. Which is something we all need to do. You know, how many women's teams were there? 17, I think. I think 17. Yeah. 17. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of work to be done to help bring the whole field back up. Yeah, I completely agree. It is a little, I'm a little bit concerned. I feel, I feel really great about Hank. I think he's going to do a lot of work to try to make sure that there are 33 women's teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it is a little bit concerning for us too, because obviously we want a full field as much, as much as anyone. Yeah. Uh, well, gosh, anything else that you could shed light on about, about this year, this experience, this great team? The only thing that I'll say is, is just a shout out to my girls. I'm just so proud of them for, <laughs> for, you know, this past year has been so challenging. I mean, they've had to deal with like really long breaks. You know, I think winter break was like two months, you know, they've had online classes. I'm just really mm-hmm. proud of, I'm just really proud of their persistence. And, and from quite literally our first meeting, they were saying, we're going to train like this race is happening. And I'm just really proud of them for, for doing that. And, and, you know, coming up with the W I, I don't think they quite realize how much impact this has had, not just on them, but on the rest of the alumni network. And and I'm just really proud of them and, and thankful that they've worked so hard. That's Catherine Kensington, Eleanor and Tina. Yep. And the, the women who didn't make the race team, they're all part of it as well. Absolutely. Awesome. You know, big shout out to them for being uh being great champions absolutely and, they're just the best they are the best and running around the track after the race to the we are the champion songs with uh-huh. six, six of you <laughs> <laughs> exactly absolutely uh, they turned to me and said hey do we still get to do a, a victory lap and i ran to hank and i said hey we're doing a victory lap <laughs> great and he said all right go for it so yeah it was awesome <laughs> yeah well, Katie, thanks for your time. I look forward to seeing you in Bloomington. Uh, hopefully it's sometimes this fall. Maybe Hilly 100 will happen. I, hopefully for Hilly 100. Some events. And, Absolutely. Um, we'll, look, we'll continue to watch DG and 
wish them the best of success in the future. Awesome. Well, thanks, Jim. I appreciate your time. I thank you. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Have you noticed by listening to these podcasts that the common theme is often having fun, joy, and the teams that focus on having fun often perform well. I know there's something to that. Thanks again for everyone for taking time to talk to me and listening to this podcast podcast.